Bibles and turn to Proverbs, book of Proverbs. If you're new to fullness, this is the first time here, second time here, um, welcome. We're glad, glad you're here. Pray that God has blessed you through the time of worship and ministry and prayer. Um, we, we have some values that we hold very dearly here. We believe that God is spirit and moves in spirit, but also word, the word of God. So we embrace fully the word of God and the spirit of God. We believe in praying for one another like we did this morning. Uh, the body ministering life to the body. We believe in studying God's word together, worshiping freely. So you got a taste of uh, most all that today. We believe that uh, God is still at work on this earth. Amen? And so we hold dearly to the fact and expect God to actually do stuff. So um, anyway, welcome. Glad that you're here. We're, we're in a study of the book of Proverbs uh, thank you to Dave Malik and to Gabriel the week before for sharing with us as we continue our study in Proverbs. Proverbs is a tough book to preach through because as we get to the Proverbs exactly, uh, chapters 1 through 9 are actually an introduction. The Proverbs themselves start in chapter 10. And when you get to them, it's just like one, you know, every verse is a different thought. So it's hard to preach through. So we're taking themes or thoughts from the book of Proverbs and looking at the book of Proverbs in, in that light. And uh, good news, women, today's your day. Um, <laughs> the Bible has a lot to say about, uh, Proverbs has a lot to say about wives or women. Some of it is negative, um, like uh, this passage, which says, and I'm already struggling here. So, Mona, just follow me if you would. Um, I'm going to switch because I don't trust that thing. Just give me one second, everyone. You know, Dave used it last week and it was great. I touch it and it explodes. Yes, it's right here, isn't it? <laughs> Anyway, here's Proverbs 21, uh, 9 and 19, which says this, Better to live on a corner of the roof than share a house with a quarrelsome wife. Over in verse 19, it says, Better to live in a desert than with a quarrelsome and ill-tempered wife. I like the progression here. If she's just quarrelsome, corner. Uh, if, she is, if she's quarrelsome and ill-tempered, desert. <laughs> goes on and says, another passage says this, a foolish son is his father's ruin and a quarrelsome wife is like a constant dripping. Now, I know those are not very uplifting passages, women. Um, the thought being this, though, that when there is tension in the home, it tears down. Like being in the corner of a, a roof, you're exposed to the elements or the desert or the constant dripping. It, it, tension in marriage tears down. And the author of Proverbs is trying to say, it's better, it's better not to be in that environment. It's devastating to everyone involved. Now, it's aimed at women, but I believe it's, it goes both ways. I, I believe it's talking about that tension. At the same time, and um, later on, it says this, a wife of noble character is her husband's crown, 
But a disgraceful wife is like decay in his bones. Again, you have this negative aspect of decay or tear down, but when you have a crown, it builds up, right? It exalts, it, it helps, it encourages. And that's what Proverbs is talking about here, saying in marriage, in relationships, bad relationships tear down, good relationships build up. There's this character in the Bible who stands in a very prominent position in many people's lives. Businesses have been named after her. Ministries try to emulate her. She is someone to be, to follow after. She causes fear. She causes shame. She She's known as the Proverbs 31 woman. And she stands at the center of a lot that the church talks about when it talks about women and wives. So I, I'm, I'm approaching this with a great deal of fear, fear, fear and trembling. I'm even stuttering over my words, as you can see. <laughs> as I talk about the Proverbs 31 woman. Now, I, I thought about just showing a picture of my wife and then sitting down. I thought that, would, that might work. Um, yeah, no, what a suck up, right? Um, I, I, I think my wife is amazing. I mean, really, there are very few people on the earth who I know has as much energy as Kathy does, who devotes herself to both her family and to her work, which is the life of this church. Um, just who she is, the way she's ministered to our children for the last decade plus. Um, what she's done. You know, I, I have to laugh. I'm judgmental at heart. I admit it. I'm a horrible person and even probably a worse pastor. But there are times where someone with one child will come up to me and say, you know, my husband and I, we've just really had trouble getting that that one child to church, we had trouble getting him bathed and dressed and getting him to church on time. And I want to say, what a joke. Have you met my wife? I mean, if Kathy Brookins can get, for, ever since we started Fullness, I would come to church at like 7 or 8 a.m. on Sunday morning. Um, I, I left her at home with five children to get them all ready to come to church. She was never late. She was always on time. She had him dressed in some little Lord Fauntleroy stuff back in the day. And, uh, and, and if you haven't met my children, they are not, how do I say this? I, I, I love my kids. They're awesome, but they are like super balls off the, you know, they're very active they're very competitive. They're very energetic. So it wasn't like getting a bunch of compliant challenges. Hey, sweetheart, go, uh, go put on your clothes and get ready. I mean, it was a challenge. I don't even know how she worshipped when she got here. I don't know what might, might have taken place in my house before that, for that point. All of that to say, she, she's remarkable. But she'll tell you, and I will help, that she's not perfect. We all have our issues to look at. But I want to look at this woman who stands at the center of what 
a lot of women in the church feel like it must be like to be a Christian woman. What is the example that I'm supposed to be following? Who, am, who is this Proverbs 31 woman? In Proverbs 31.10, it says this, a wife of noble character who can find. So it begins, I'm looking at Proverbs 31, 10 through verses 31. And in verse 10, it begins with a question, a wife of noble character who can find. And then it sort of ends with her husband answering the question, many women do noble things, but you surpass them all. Question asked, question answered. And from verses 10 through 31, this is, uh, it's an acrostic poem. Uh, every verse in this begins with a different letter of the Hebrew alphabet. There are 22 letters of the Hebrew alphabet, and there are 22 verses here in Proverbs 31 in this poem of the valiant woman, the Proverbs 31 woman. So it's a distinct uh, design for it, and it's also known as a heroic poem. Now, these heroic poems occur at times in the Bible and, and also occur in Eastern literature. Most of the time, almost every other heroic poem in the Bible is in reference to a male who is a warrior in battle. This is the one that refers to a woman. And most of the Eastern literature that are um, heroic poems are also about the physical beauty of the woman, the erotic nature of womanhood. Uh, you know, the, the Helen of Troy, face that could launch a thousand ships kind of type poem. This poem stands at a whole different level and looks at a, a woman and the characteristics of a valiant woman in an entirely different way. So here's what I'd like to do. I want to walk through these 21 verses, 22 verses. I'm just going to comment briefly on them. I can't really take them apart. We don't really have the time. So I'm just going to comment on them. And then I want to draw a couple of conclusions for us today that I think are really important. So you got your Bibles? If you don't have a Bible, it'll be on the screen, but I'd really rather you looked at your Bible as we go through. And if you don't have a Bible, there should be one in the seat back in front of you. Probably, although we had the chairs taken out and put back in, so I'm not really sure of the order of everything today, but it's there somewhere. So here we go. Verse 10 says this, a wife of noble character who can find. She is worth far more than rubies. This, this noble word, it's the word of valiant. It's the word that... Um, it carries more than just the meaning of noble. It's almost like a warrior princess kind of uh, mindset. As a matter of fact, in the, the Greek translation of the Hebrew Bible, the word noble means, I hate to say this because it may have different connotations, but this is the way it's characterized. She's a manly woman. And by that means, she's a woman of incredible strength. It's the way that it chooses to describe her. And she's worth far, far more than rubies. Then in verse 11, it says, Her husband has full confidence in her and lacks nothing in value. She brings him good, not harm, 
all the days of her life. The ESV translates this by saying the heart of her husband trusts in her. In their relationship, she's opened herself up to where he will open himself up. He trusts in her totally and completely. She's done nothing to abuse this trust. She's done nothing to, to kind of cut it off. So he opens, his, he opens his heart to her. And as a result, she is trustworthy with that heart because she brings him good, not harm, all the days of her life. You know, I, I, I don't have time to really comment on all of these things, but I, I do a lot of marriage counseling. And one of the things I discover at times is the behaviors that we desire in marriage are many times the behaviors that we, in our desire, cut off, right? I don't know if this is making sense. In other words, so many times a wife will want her husband to open himself up to him, but then he opens himself up to her and she beats him in the head with it. Now, I'm not trying to be ugly, but, you know, she just kind of says, you know, what? What are you talking about? And then she criticizes him for it or, or, or corrects him for it or helps him with it. You know what I mean? And so I'm just helping you, sweetheart. No, you're not. You're, and, and then he sits there quietly later on and says, I'm not going to share with her again. And then, because he's not sharing, she starts trying to pull it out of him. And what happens is, as some books talk about, we get in a crazy cycle. The things that we want, we actually punish. And then the things that we don't want, we... Here's the idea. Nurture your relationship, both of you. I'm not just putting this on women. I'm putting this on both of us. Nurture your relationship in such a way Men, you have to take opportunity. You have to step out and say, if I get smashed, I get smashed. I'm going. I'm going to, and then keep going back. And you say, well, I've been hitting the head too many times. No, no, you haven't. If you're still walking, you haven't. <laughs> I mean, if you're still upright, you still keep moving back. Because that's the godly call on your life. And wives, bless your husbands. Let your, his heart, when he opens it up, Bless him. Okay, I, I got to move. But that was good. She selects wool and, verses 13 and forward. She selects wool and flax and works with eager hands. Since she is like the merchant ships, bringing her food from afar. She gets up while it's, you know, sometimes you're like, she brings her food from afar? Like how far? Is that Mr. Chin's far? Like Taco Mama far? How far are we bringing it in? Um, so I can do that too. I can bring it in. I can bring it in. She gets up while it's still dark. She provides food for her family and portions for her servant girls. She considers the field and buys it. Out of her earnings, she plants a vineyard. She is industrious. She is working. She's, she's feeding and and she's, she's working. Now, some of you, if you read real carefully, you're like, oh, yeah, but she's got some servant girls. She's got some help. She's got the, you know, the, the maids come by at least once a week. 
and uh, help clean the house. You know, yeah, again, I'm trying not to comment too much on this because I do have a couple of points I think are really important to speak about this passage. But at some point in Christian history, we have said to women that the only godly way to do things is to be a stay-at-home mom. And there's value in being a stay-at-home mom. I'm not criticizing, but, but the only part really bugs me. The only part, because if only godly women stay at home, then the Proverbs 31 woman it ain't a godly woman. Do you understand what I'm saying? She's working a field. She's, she's buying stuff. She's planting. She's making a profit. She, all throughout this passage, you see a business way to help support her family. And what I want to say is this. If God leads you to stay at home, praise God. Do it without condemnation. If God leads you to be in the workplace, women, do it confidently without condemnation. God can lead us to do different things, and I think this is, this is proof of that. And so we've tried at fullness to avoid these only phrases, like the only way to raise your kids is to homeschool them. The only way to raise your kids is to put them in Christian private school. The only way is to let them be missionaries in public school or whatever. You know, I mean, whatever you think, there's not an only. You have to be directed by God in what you do. We prayed over every single one of our kids. And really, all five of my kids, they kind of did different things because God had called them different. You know, I had one that uh, he ruined homeschool. You know, he just, uh, the, te the teachers couldn't handle it anymore. And so, you know, you just have to pray over certain things and, and let God direct your steps and do it in confidence without condemnation. It's the enemy who's standing there waiting to condemn you, bring shame in your life. Some of our children are challenging. There are certain things in our children. Some of us have special needs children. Some of us have um, just, just children who are incredibly active. Some of us have golden children. Praise God for you. You know, I'm so glad that I'm happy for you. Do it in freedom is what I'm trying to say. Going on. She sets about her work vigorously. Her arms are strong for her task. She sees her trading is profitable and her lamp does not go out at night. She works hard. She, she, she is vigorous. She is untiring. Her lamp doesn't go out at night. Wow. I'm going on. Says, in some point, in her hand, she holds the distaff and grasps the spindle with her fingers. This is, a, this is all a picturesque language about uh, thread and making things. She's a seamstress. She sews and she makes things. She opens her arms to the poor and extends her hand to the needy. She ministers not only in, in business, she ministers not only in the home, but she also sees the poor and reaches out to them and ministers. She's not so enamored with the things of her house that she doesn't look out and see the needs of, needs of others. When it snows, she has no fear for her household, for all of them are clothed in scarlet. <laughs> I cracked up when I started reading this, and I'm like, 
Okay, it's snow, you dress them in red. That doesn't really, I'm not really sure what that's all about. But evidently, what I, I had to study this, and I'm going to share it with you, um, that a thread that took scarlet in olden times was a thicker, better quality thread, which meant it was warmer. So if you saw somebody in scarlet or in purple, dyeing was not um, as easy as we do it today, that it took a lot more work. So to be in a scarlet outfit meant she, she was taking care of her family, that when it got cold, she... She knew the need. They, they weren't without what it took to, to be safe. Aren't you glad I shared that? Her husband is respected at the city gate where he takes his seat among the elders of the land. Her, her husband is honored both within the home and outside the home because she is this woman that we talked about before who crowns her husband, so to speak. And not that he's the king, but that she's built him up and she's honored him in a way that, that he is able to step out in confidence as well. Verse 24, she makes linen garments and sells them and supplies the merchants with sashes. There's an idea here that what she does is of quality, so much so that the merchants are seeking out after it. Um, goes on, she's clothed with strength and dignity she can laugh at the days to come. She speaks with wisdom and faithful instruction is on her tongue. The, the words that she speaks are blessing. She, 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 she blesses her family. She blesses those around her. She's not cursing, so to speak. And by cursing, I don't mean like cussing, cursing. I mean, she's not tearing down with her words, but rather, rather she's building up. She watches over the affairs of her household and she does not eat the bread of idleness. She's diligent. She doesn't just waste her time. Didn't have Netflix. Just thought I'd throw that out. Her children arise and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praises her. Many women do noble things, but you surpass them all. He's blessed in his relationship with her. Charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting. But a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Give her the reward she has earned and let her works bring her praise at the city gate. Now, here's what I want to do after we've walked through that passage. I mean, it's a powerful passage. It's rich. It's long. It's, it's got a lot of words in it. And you may have seen yourself or seen your lack in here somewhere. But here's what I want to do. I want to I want to, I've got two points, and there are two lies. One is the lie the world puts on us, and one is the lie that the church seems to emanate within the church. So from this passage, I want to talk about two lies that we need to avoid, we need to repent of, and we need to guard ourselves against. Are you with me? I want to do, look at a couple of lies today. Here we go. The first is this. It is the lie of beauty. It is the lie of beauty. Here's what it says. Charm is deceptive and beauty is what? Fleeting. But a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. The world is pressing on the women of this culture and this society, this idea that what matters is physical beauty. 
that all that matters is physical beauty. And I, I want to tell you, it is a lie. It is a lie that is destroying a whole generation of women. It's a lie. And I, I mean, I could give you any number of examples of why it's a lie. But let's just start with the Kardashians for a second. Um, just to throw them under the bus as we start. Just this past week, Kim Kardashian, who has a line of, it's, I'm going to call it shapewear. I don't know what to call it. I couldn't show you a picture. It's underwear that makes you look better. I mean, it holds things in, you know. It, it kind of, I don't know how to describe it. It's a, it's a line of shapewear. Let's just go with that term. She just released an ad this week that got criticized because it's so obviously Photoshopped. So, I mean, get the idea. I'm wearing underwear that holds things in, but it doesn't hold things in so well that I can't Photoshop the things it's not holding in. Are you with me? So the ad in and of itself is a lie because in order to make it look better, I have to Photoshop it. And her sister just this past week as well, she, somebody released some photos that were unretouched. And they got in a whole hissy fit over these untouched photos of what she really looks like that got released. So her PR team is trying to pull them back in, these photos of what she really looked like because they, they haven't been touched up. Do you understand that the, the nature of beauty in our society is an illusion? It's a lie. And the people we hold up as standards of beauty, I mean, they're, they're, they're duct taping things to keep them up. They're putting hemorrhoid cream on their face to get lines out there. They're shooting dead bacteria into their face to try and eliminate things. It is, it is so crazy and it's got to stop. It's got to cease. We spend in America $20 billion a year, $20 billion on cosmetics. We have women and disorders that are growing at an astronomical rate within our society from eating disorders to, to mental illness to because this lie of beauty has been pressed on them from the world and we're buying into it. And we in the church are not less guilty. Here's in the list of the Proverbs 31 woman, here's what I want you to notice. No mention of her hair. No mention of her height, no mention of her weight, no mention of her skin color, no mention of her figure or body type or facial features. Or There is no mention in here in this incredible woman of what she looks like. Why? Because beauty is fleeting. It's not about physical beauty. What causes the beauty of this woman? The fear of the Lord. It's the beauty that emanates from inside. So I, 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 if, if I could do anything, and I've tried to do this with my daughters. I have a 21 and a 23-year-old. And I tell them all the time they're beautiful because I think they're beautiful. But rather, I want to say to them, that it's about the fear of the Lord in your life. 
It's what really matters. You can be the most beautiful physical specimen on the planet, but if you don't have the fear of the Lord in you, that beauty is literally skin deep. We need to receive this truth about who we are in Jesus. And we need to teach our daughters who they are in Jesus. And can I say this to you young men who are single especially? You're idiots. (laughs) You're idiots. If you're looking at the physical, like, and I got to say, I'm just as stupid as you were. I mean, I remember in college, uh, you know, I was at a Baptist campus meeting one time, and they said, okay, list out the characteristics of the woman you want to marry, right? Like, put the characteristics, just write it out. And I remember writing my list down. She's got to be a a lover of Jesus. And I thought that should be number one. I'm at a Baptist meeting, so I really thought that should be number one. Number two, um, someone who challenges me. And then number three, I, I would rather she be pretty than ugly. I mean, that's the way I worded it. I knew that I don't want to be super, but really that was probably more toward number one at the time. There are beautiful women all around you. If you'll see their hearts. And that's all that matters because beauty's fleeting. Charm is a lie. It's deceptive. I want to say this to you guys. If you get around a flirty girl... Take a step back she, because she's lying. she's lying to you. It's deceptive. Instead, ask God to show you her heart. Stop being so stupid and open your eyes to see what God has around you because there are some beautiful, beautiful women because of their fear of the Lord that are all around you. And girls, stop letting the world determine your view of who you are, instead let God show you. If I, I, if I could just implant this thought of the lie of beauty that our society has placed within women, I, I, my heart is broken because I know, I absolutely know that there are some women within our church, young ladies, struggling with self-image, challenged, by what the world has told them about what they look like. And instead, I I just want freedom for the women of our church to be all that God has designed them to be. And guys, quit being so stupid. (laughs) Second lie. (laughs) The second lie is this. The lie of perfection. The lie of perfect. The first lie is the lie of beauty. The second lie, and this kind of comes within the church, and some of it is just by reading this passage. The lie of perfection does not. Reading this is like reading a three thousand year old Facebook page. You know how on Facebook everybody looks great. You know everybody looks great. See, I look at some of your Facebook pages. And, and it's like, life is good. This is happening. This is happening. This is happening. I know. It's not, I, I want to comment sometimes. I know the truth. <laughs> I know you. I know what's going on back there. I don't do it. But just imagine me there. 
I mean, and you read, you read on Facebook sometimes. It's like, oh, look, Sally, Sally's made filet mignon for her family again. Isn't that, isn't that special? <laughs> and, and Betty, she got, she, got, she got not only great kids, but she got a vice presidential promotion at the job. Look, look how, well, how well she's doing. And Susie, she lost 25 pounds and just ran an ultra marathon. Unbelievable. And the Smith family, look at them. They're in Bora Bora. I mean, it's just, life is so great. It's like everybody's living a perfect life but me. I mean, honestly, I've had people come up to me, and I, I am so sorry if I've ever given this impression, but they'll come up to me and they'll say, you know, Pastor, I, I, I want to share with you some things going on, but I know you can't relate because your life is perfect. I mean, really, I'm like, have I given that impression? I've tried to tell you about the children I've had and the <laughs> things I've struggled with. I, I love my family, by the way, because I know some of them are watching. But that's the way this passage reads, right? You think, oh, this perfection. She's perfect. Who could be like this? There's a pastor's wife named Laura, Lauren Greco, and she wrote a blog post about this passage. And she says this, for most of my adult life, if I had woken up one morning to read that the Proverbs 31 woman had met an untimely death on her spindle, I would have barely grieved. <laughs> because for a long time, the Proverbs 31 woman has been my mental nemesis. She is the pre-Renaissance Renaissance woman. Scripture tells us that she cooks splendid exotic meals. She sews ornate clothing for her family from thread and fabric that she herself has spun. She also runs a substantial textile business. <laughs> and from the profits, she buys her own land, which she gardens. She helps the poor. She is constantly productive. And even though she barely sleeps from her mouth, pours nothing but wisdom and kindness. Both her husband and her children lavish praise on her. She goes on and says, I sew. I garden. I get tacos from afar. Even though having a husband and child puts me in many of the same categories as the Proverbs 31 woman, her achievements still echo in my heart, implying that perhaps I'm still not good enough. After all, her record has stood for thousands of years. Although she was never really a real person, she has the power to haunt me. Why is that? Because we see this passage as a list of things to which we have to achieve. And that is not the idea of this passage. This passage, like many proverbial passage, is just like getting us a goal to aim for, somewhere to, to be. A wife of noble character. Who can find? She's worth far more than rubies. She's valiant. She's, she's unattainable. We recognize this, right? So, but that's, 
That's not the point. If you missed the point, I mean, who in here has loved at the level of 1 Corinthians 13? I mean, really, who in here has loved at that level? Who, who has achieved the godliness of Galatians 5? None of us have. But does that mean we don't aim for them? No, it, there is this aiming and this, I want to be all that God has for me to be. I can't be her, but I can be and achieve my destiny. But instead, the enemy will flip it and try and get this lie of perfection on us. Let me give you one example, and then I'm going to pray for us, and I'm going to close. Promise. In some of the ancient Judaic texts, the Bible wasn't always ordered like it's ordered now. You know, where we put Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes. Purposefully, in many people's minds, do you know which book followed the book of Proverbs in ancient Jewish literature? Actually, Ruth. Ruth followed Proverbs. So think about this. Proverbs 31 ends with this picture of a woman, and the next passage is Ruth. And the only other passage in the Bible where this valiant woman, this noble woman is mentioned is right here when Boaz says, and now my daughter, don't be afraid. I will do for you all you ask. All my fellow townsmen know that you are a woman of noble character. So you end Proverbs 31 saying, who could live up to this? Oh, I'll show you. Here's a woman. Now, what did Ruth have that the Proverbs 31 woman? She wasn't married. She was widowed. She had no children. She didn't have a job. She was out like getting stuff out of the field. She wasn't even Jewish. And yet, here's our example of a woman of valiant character, of noble character. See, the passage isn't saying you have to live up to this whole level. It is saying, fear the Lord. Seek godly wisdom. Walk in the strength and your countenance, your life, the way you live your life will be carried out in a way that your husband will be blessed. Your children will, um, will look at you in a different way in a different light. It's not about the checklist, people. It's about the heart. And the heart will carry you. Today, we need to we need to repent of the lie of beauty that many of us have bought into. And we need to really repent of this lie of perfection. Now, some of you <clears throat> have fallen in the ditch on the other side. You also need to repent of the lie of not trying at all. I can't obtain perfection, so why bother? Right? I'm not even going to try any. That's not what the passage is saying either. It's saying, if you fear the Lord and seek after wisdom, you will... God will direct your steps. Seek wisdom. 
Keep going. Walk in freedom. Lord, I pray this morning for all the women in this place. I pray that, God, your steps, they would be directed by you. I pray that right now, where we have bought into the lie that beauty is a physical appearance and we need to give all we can to the way we look, Lord, I pray for your hand to be upon us, for us to be delivered from that lie. Lord, I pray that the inner beauty within that you are seeking to achieve in all of our lives, but particularly the women in our church today and the women that are hearing this message, that God, you would release them from this lie that has bound them up. Lord, I pray this morning for freedom for those because of this lie who have um, any kind of bondage to food or trying to improve their look in a way that doesn't honor you. Lord, where the world keeps pressing in on us, Lord, we resist and instead ask that your hand would be moving in our hearts and our lives today. Lord, for those who have bought into this lie that they're, they're, they've got to be perfect and they're just burdened down with this perfectionism syndrome, God, free us. Oh, Lord, free us so that we can walk in life and in light and in freedom. Lord, we thank you today. We bless you. We rejoice in you. Let freedom rule and reign in this place, O oh God, in every way imaginable. In Jesus' name.